Hey, missionaries, we want to invite you February 27th, 2020. The Michelle Mission is doing a live event. We're doing our 200th episode and we are reviewing Shaft, which will be followed by a 70s soundtrack soul train dance party DJed by international DJ himself, Scheme Richards. It all takes place at World Cafe Live here in Philadelphia. Tickets are on sale at bshowmission.com or worldcafelive.com. Right now, get them, drink specials, having fun, come dressed in the 70s. I got my bell bottoms. I bought Vincent Afro <laughs> with mutton chops. There you go. We're going to have a ball. That's right. See you there. Bruh. Is fighting two cars mm-hmm. and winning. <laughs> Welcome to another stop on the Michelle mission. Two men. One podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I am joined as always by... Hey, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Triple. And on this stop on the mission, as we march surely but steadily towards 200, we will discuss what may be the most 70s, 70 film (laughs) we've ever talked about on this show. Mm -hmm. Jim Brown, Fred Williamson... And Jim Kelly bringing up the rear, starring in the action adventure thriller, Three the Hard Way. Three the Hard Way. But before we talk about Three the Hard Way, we of course have some correspondence. We certainly do, Vince. We start with Deborah Battle. Hey, Deborah. Listening to the episode about five on the black hand side, you have mixed up the name of the two... Uh, two of the actresses in this movie. Oh, no. The role of the daughter yes. is being played by Bonnie Banfield. Okay. And, while the role of Ruby, yes. one of the friends, yes. is actually Virginia Capers. Oh, okay. She is actually an actress you should learn more about. You might remember her as Phil's mother on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh. There you go. What is your uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air knowledge? I watched it. Right. It was funny. Right. I don't think I stayed with it till the end. Right. Nia Long was on it. Nia Long was on there for a few years, actually. Uh, But then she was soon either, was she preceded or followed by um, Tyra Banks? I I don't remember because I didn't watch it religiously. Oh, okay. I know Tyra Banks was one of the girlfriends. Um, I, well, I, I don't know. Just cool. a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it was a good show. Yeah, yeah. You know, my favorite Will's girlfriend story on The Fresh Prince is that Jada Pinkett um, w- went out for one of those roles. Oh, did she? And they told her that it was unrealistic for her and Will to look like they could be together because he was so much taller than her. And she didn't get the role. 
Are you serious? I mean, dude. <laughs> true story. I don't know if that's where they met, but that's a true story. She auditioned wow. for the role of one of Will's girlfriends. Well, I wouldn't be a, a I wouldn't be, uh, be surprised if that's where they met. I don't think they. I mean, they didn't get married till a few years later. Right. Right. I just think it's funny. That is very that funny. Someone said, "Oh, who would believe that Will Smith and Jada Pinkett would be together?" <laughs> Everybody in the world. Well, I guess that's you. But it is funny. I, I also don't have like that deep. deep. That deep Byzantine knowledge, like I do, of Sanford and Son. Well, or good times, but that's that's the errors. You know right. what I mean? So, but yeah, I, I like to show. I, I my one story about it is that I knew that Will at that point had, by his own admission, blown most of the money that he had right. made with Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Right, and this was like this was like uh, a lifeline. Heaven, a yeah. lifeline. Yeah. He was like, oh, I am not. Throwing this one, I'm away. not. I'm not going to mess this one up. It's 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 actually in retrospect kind of cool mm-hmm. that he had the piece of money from Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince to blow. Exactly. So now to get that out go, of your system, get it out of your system, and you go and you do it again. So it's funny. I was just having that same conversation with um, somebody uh, because they were talking about this this NBA star and it's a real quick story who. Signed his first contract coming out of college. Right. Of course. And blew it. Right. Right. Um, But then was lucky enough that he was good enough of a star that when it came time to re-up, he got a nice, that's when you get the fat contract. Right. And he blew that too. Oh. And he was like, bum, bum, ba da. It's like, dude, like, you know. You hit you get two golden tickets. Right, right, right. You hit the lottery twice. You you got no excuse, dog. Yeah. No excuse. But we're sorry about that, Deborah. And we will endeavor to do better. Yes. But we'll do it again. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep it real. <laughs> At least our wigs are nicer. Oh, speaking of wigs. <laughs> I know. Well, that's why I said. That's why I said. <laughs> He, he, could not, he could not have paid for this kind of publicity. Have you had an oppor- opportunity to check out Tyler Perry's A Fall from Grace on Netflix? Here's the thing. Not only haven't I seen it, I had no plans of watching it. <laughs> like, I was just going to skip this one because it's on, it was on Netflix, so mm-hmm. it falls outside of our purview. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think it, it was doing anything... That that would help me with my ongoing Tyler Perry research. <laughs> but the firestorm over the past week, I, I was talking to my wife this morning and I said, you know, I think I'm actually, I might just take an, cause is it two hours? Yes, two hours. There is no way this dog is two hours. It's two hours. Shut up. Tyler Perry did not make a two hour movie. He certainly has, Vince. <laughs> He certainly had you know a two-hour movie. I think I, I wanted to pretend that I wasn't going to do it, but I know me well enough. Mm-hmm. I'm going to probably take two hours and watch it just to see what all the brouhaha. Oh, I was about. I was so hoping you weren't going to say that because now I have to take the two hours. You don't have to. I no. can do it for us. Well, here's <laughs> the thing. So I heard the whole brouhaha about the wigs. Yes. And was seeing all the memes and, and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh, these can't be that bad. 
And then I saw somebody um, on Twitter played a gif, and I can't remember where it was, about, like, Tyler, you should be ashamed of yourself. This man is <laughs> eating the, the and man drinking eating air. The eating, the, the eating air dude. There's a man in the background of a scene, and not deep background, ladies and gentlemen, just over the shoulder of He's an He's the hero that we need. He's the hero that we need he in these troubling putting times. putting air into his mouth and his glass has is nothing he, and he's drinking he's a hero that we need in these troubled times he really is so i said i've got you know what let me sit and watch this oh you watched it so i turned on <gasps> tyler perry's a fall from grace and the movie opens up with a woman now this is this is right at the beginning she's standing out on the ledge of her of her uh, roof. Okay. In her house. Exciting. By a window. Okay. There are two cops in her house. One who is black has his head out the window trying to <laughs> coax her back into the house. See, y'all are making this movie sound awesome. God damn it. I got to go watch this movie. <laughs> Ma'am, you don't want to do this. <laughs> You don't want to do this, ma'am. He don't have no writer's room. He don't need no writer's room. It's just him. No. It is at this point that he pulls the little walkie-talkie off his shoulder. Right, right. And calls, I need rescue here. At which point, I need rescue. You immediately hear a helicopter. Oh sound. no! How about we get a helicopter? And the 20th Century Fox spotlight of spotlights smacks on this woman, <laughs> blinding her, and she falls off her roof. Oh no! Wait a minute. Do you see the helicopter? Is there an actual helicopter? Oh no! You hear the sound. Cue light, woman blinded. No, no, no. I'm just. Oh no, no. He didn't get it out. I was about to say. So you don't. There, there's not an actual. No, helicopter. There's not an actual helicopter. Okay, I was about to say. I know Tyler Perry did not spend the money to have a helicopter. No. Okay. No. All right. No. He's he just got a big spotlight. Okay. Okay. In, 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 in and Tyler Perry studio, you hear the exactly sound, which is like Tyler Perry by Mike going. Of course. Of course. Of right. course. You okay. know, I am my own foley artist. Um, I, look. 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 The woman falls off the roof. Oh, no. Now. Does the an woman... oily light-skinned man catch her? It's like an oily light-skinned man walking by with no shirt on reading the Bible on his way to his blue-collar job. And he, like, gently puts the Bible down, and then he catches her. Why, working actor Shamar Moore? What are you doing here? <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. He can't afford Shamar Moore anymore. Not anymore. Right. I'm so happy. A um, random Atlanta area actor. <laughs> hey, craft services, you can lift. <laughs> Stand right here. So she falls off the roof. Okay. I use roof begrudgingly because she literally sta- looks like she's standing on the top of the ledge that <gasps> is like on your porch. That's right, because Tyler Perry has a studio. Right. So it's a set. Right. It's is a it set. a set? So it's not really the roof of the house. You about to make me stop this episode and go watch this movie. It's not the roof of the house. You know how you've got like you walk up 
the landing and there's like a little the, the porch I has am, a roof. I am watching. She's this on movie that porch, okay. so she's maybe to me it looks like she's going to fall maybe twenty feet. Right, right. Which you can hurt yourself. I don't know if you need a helicopter involved, but okay, you can hurt you. This entire scene takes all of two and a half minutes. And this is how the movie starts. This is how the movie starts. I love it. I'm in. Well, I was out. <laughs> I said, uh, I can't do this. Had you had a cocktail? I may, You're right. Maybe See? I was not properly. See? I didn't pregame. See? You, you, I was supposed look, to pregame for a fall from grace. It's just, we don't have to actually talk about it on the mission. I can drink and watch it. You're right. You're oh right, yeah, Vince. You're, I, I, I was. That was a failure. But all part. jokes aside, you know what I also realized. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of this is generational. So that this movie oh, was yeah. on Netflix. So I think there is a whole demographic of black people mm -hmm. who watched it, who frankly have never seen Tyler Perry movies. Oh, okay. Like okay. they, like they, you know, their parents or their grandparents or their great grandparents talk about Tyler Perry, and maybe they flipped the channel. But let's not act like these wigs are any worse than every single solitary wig that has ever been in a Tyler Perry movie. Like there's this great outrage over something that has been consistent for twenty years, and I think it's because a lot of people have never actually watched a Tyler Perry movie and now they have and now they can't believe what they've seen and to be fair let's not make like these wigs aren't maybe just a hair step below some of the atrocious wigs we've seen even in Game of Thrones I don't know if that's true. Game of Thrones sometimes had some bad wigs. I don't. I'm saying all the time. Right. But there was sometimes you'd be like, "Yo, you could do are, better." Are you serious? You could do better. And even on some network television, because because I defy anyone who was a fan of the show Sleepy Hollow that used to be on CBS. Oh yeah. And watched uh, Nicole Bahari's that's right. wig from those first three seasons. That was the most distracting thing I've ever seen on television. I must say I did not spend a lot of time looking at her hair. Or Star Trek Discovery. Now, 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 now you should have started with that. That wig. Because Shaniqua Martin Green's wigs are a crime. Yes. Yeah, that's that's actually the best defense that I've heard all week. And the budget is everywhere else on that show. Right. But her wig? Because you know, well, if you listen, you know I was outraged by what they had that sister's hair looking like. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. But yeah, y'all y'all, y'all have made, y'all have made me want to watch this movie. Yeah. I wouldn't do it to you. I wouldn't do it, Vince, but I, if you watch it, I'll watch it. Okay. And we'll get along. We'll get around to talking about it. Right after we do another episode of Spock and Jason. I was, I was say, one day. <laughs> no. Which is not funny. No, 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 no. I got to do like I do with my son. So, like, he asked me to do something. So, you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. And his sister already peeped him the game. She's like, you know, that's a soft no. <laughs> that's a soft no. If daddy says we'll see, he told you no. 
Sherry D hit us up. Hey, Sherry. In regards to a fall from grace. And rega- it, you can't get away from it. <laughs> I don't mean to upset you, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's always tough when it starts like that. Have you been ready, willing, or able to watch Tyler Perry to fall from grace? I watched it. And I can't say that I love the story. (laughs) Or the hair choices assigned to some of the male characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I love Felicia Rashad and Crystal Fox. And I'm enjoying the interviews they're giving for this project. Okay. They were in another flick together, The Old Settler. I think it was a TV movie. Felicia Rashad and Debbie Allen play sisters, a stretch, who lived together in 1940s Harlem. I remember this. That's a good pull, Sherry. Felicia falls in love with younger Bumper Robinson, mm-hmm, whose that's ex-girlfriend right. Crystal Fox vows to break them up. Drama, child. Also, I just watched Unsung The Jets. <laughs> Took me back. Very interesting episode. Did you dig any of the Jets songs? Come on, you can tell us. I was partial to private number and make it real. All the best in 2020s, Sherry D. That Jets behind the music or unsung, I forget which one. I think unsung. it was an unsung. unsung. That was really good. Really? I didn't see that. It's really good. And it's kind of sad. I'm trying to remember who the the Jets. Were they the light skin? They family? were the um Pacific Islanders. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were the they were the Pacific Islanders. I don't remember their songs. Private number. I don't know their song. I found out. Oh, I got a crush on you. Oh, that's you. them. Okay. Yeah, they remember, were like like right, Debarge Light. They were Debarge Light. I found out or lighter. I had a crush on you. Because remember, it had that song had that nasty breakdown. Yes. Uh, and the breakdown was nastier than it had any right to be. Mm-hmm. It was like, where did that come from? Mm. Yeah, but I don't think they're getting along. It's one of those sad family stories where oh. where they don't get along, I don't think, and I don't think they perform. I call it a Brothers Johnson type story. The Brothers Johnsons don't get along? You know the Brothers Johnson haven't gotten along in like 20 years. I did not know that. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, any Brothers Johnson's checks that people have, they just leaving them on the table. Wow. Because well, I ain't talking to him. Is anybody really checking for the Brothers Johnson anymore? I mean, I'd, I'd like to hear Strawberry 23. Okay. Turn on classic, <laughs> classic R&B. You can hear it as many times as you want. Yes. And really, is there another Brothers Johnson song that you really want to listen to? Uh, There is. And it's funny because I just heard it on the radio and we were trying to figure out, was it a Brothers Johnson song or was it off of Quincy Jones' The Dude? Because mm. remember, they were all yeah, on The Dude. yeah. Yeah. Boy, you never know where our conversations are going. <laughs> you never know where we're... <laughs> now we're talking about the Brothers Johnson <laughs> and whether or not a song that I like was on Quincy Jones' The Dude or on the Brother Johnson, Brothers Johnson's album. I thought you were going to go real deep and say if I really want to listen to Strawberry 23, 22, I, 23, I should listen to Shuggy Otis. At which point I would say, now that is a better choice, but still. What are you looking up? Brothers Johnson? No, no, no. Or um, the dude? <laughs> no, there was a, a, a comment that was made um, that this little little interlude just reminded me of, and I'm trying to bring it up. Oh, yeah, from Raymond Cummings. Hey, Raymond. 
when you guys descend into laughing fits, it brings me life. <laughs> and invariably, I wind up laughing like a loon, too. Well, good. I'm glad. It's infectious. <laughs> yes. Um, Markham Lee hit us up. What's up, Markham? And Markham gave us, uh, uncharacteristically, a, a one-word statement. He says, where was it? I, I don't, I don't want to misquote the gentleman. Much like Len, I, too, will never hug or make peace with Tyler Perry. <laughs> Come on, y'all. We boys. We boys. We got to figure it out. Signed a veritable TP movie villain. Yes, 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 yes. So, um, yes, it's not, not a lot of love for Tyler Perry popping off around here. In, oh, in the, no. On the mission. I'm trying to make peace between us. We also heard from Dark Kent Jr. Hey, Dark Kent Jr. Uh, with the subject line, A2 Brute. Oh, no. Bruh. <laughs> he starts with bruh. Bruh, start with bruh. Doug the Black Caesar episode with a grave digger's glee. Oh, nice. The entire black exploitation genre is my jam. Save this pod for the long ride home from Slaving for the Man this past Thursday. So, yeah, I have some thoughts. Okay. But first, a few tidbits that you probably didn't have uh, didn't have time to mention. When the godfather of all things Funky was first approached about doing the soundtrack, he wanted to just toss a few previously released tracks on it and cash the check. Yes. Bobby Bird convinced him otherwise. This ain't no half-ass internet research on that I'm selling here. I got this straight from Bobby Bird himself. Wow. So we have him to thank for what is not only the best soundtrack of the black exploitation era, but maybe track for track, the goat of movie scores. Yeah. I'm ready to debate anyone, anytime, anywhere on that take, Jack. Also, Freddie Hammer had a bit part in the movie version of MASH as Dr. Oliver Spearchucker Jones. That's right. And I just actually rewatched that movie. I did not know that. There's a football scene in the movie that Fred had to take uh, had to take over because, well, he's Freddie Williamson. Um, Altman let him direct it, and it holds up. Okay. And he's right. It's one of the better scenes in the movie. Nice. Alas, I must admit, while I agree with you, esteemed bros, that this is a must-see for any self-respecting black film fan, it is not a particularly well-directed film. Mr. Cohen, quite frankly, should have caught hell up in Harlem for this offering. Black Caesar is a picture about a guy who tries to be a white man and fails, according to Mr. Cohen. Yeah, right. He only got the gig because he, because... That's right. That's right. He directed the Yafit Koto tour de force, Bone. That's right. Which automatically qualified him to direct a black exploitation film as far as American International was concerned. Uh... Yafit Kodo was the only black dude in the film, if memory serves. No, that's right. Larry Cohen actually, remember we were talking about mm-hmm. it after we finished tape. And it was like, ah, oh, I meant to say, Larry Cohen, as, as, as Dark Kent says, he got the job because American International said, quote, you know how to work with black actors. Right. And Larry Cohen said, I've only worked with one black actor, which, as he says, is Yafit Kodo. And he's like, somehow working with one black guy made me the black expert. That's right. You find gents also touched on something during the show that's one of my hobbies, casting remakes of movies. Okay. While I thought you had inspired choices for the lead in a Black Caesar reboot, consider my choice. Chiwetel 
Ekafor. She will tell Ekafor. Oh, Ekafor. I, I like him. He's a little older now. Watch the Slept On Four Brothers by the late John Singleton and let it marinate. And with that, I shall retire to my basement of solitude <laughs> to brood over why Truck Turner isn't held in the same esteem as Shaft, Superfly, or any of the other go-to black exploitation classics. Peace, love, and soul, Dark Kent Jr. All right. Thank you, Dark Kent Jr. And you know we're Truck Turner men around here, so. Here we are. Um, George Kimona had an inspiring choice. I don't know if I mentioned last time for a Black Caesar remake. Friend of the show, Ryan Sands, who I think age wise might be more appropriate. I was about to say Ryan works. And Ryan's a big dude. Right. Ryan works. I I mean, he's more in the Fred Williamson mode. Mm -hmm. So I think that works. Yeah. So I I like that one. And um, Runaways is, is in its last season. So. Yes, absolutely. Actually, yeah, the, the last season is already up. Yeah, so, so so yeah, I like it. Yeah, but didn't we already cast him in like uh, the 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 sequel series to um, Deep Space Nine? We did. Ron as, can have both jobs. A, yeah. Okay. You're right, Vince. Yeah, absolutely right. Speaking about that, uh, I'll take that little Star Trek segue to ask you: Did you see Patrick Stewart on The View? Was that not? the most purely joyful moment that you've seen in like a year? It's been a while. Patrick Stewart, who is returning to the role of Picard on Star Trek Picard, which actually debuts the day of our recording. The day of our recording, that's right. On uh, CBS All Access, was on The View to promote the show, where he spontaneously, apparently, offered an um, offered to Whoopi Goldberg to return to her role as Guinan for season two of Star Trek Picard. The show already been picked up for its season, second season. I mean, the thing is printing money. Yeah. And Whoopi Goldberg um, behind tears. Yeah. Accepted yeah. his invitation. Yeah. I thought it was a wonderful moment. It was. And, and you forget how early in Whoopi's career Star Trek really was. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like she was someone who had made her bones in movies and now was like just settling into television. No, she was a, a Star Trek fan. And when the opportunity came to do this role on Next Generation, she was like, yes, yes, to be a part of, of this, I'm with it. Well, we talked about it during the Jumpin' Jack Flash episode. In, in a career, a, a film career, that was fair to Midland at best. Mm-hmm. Some of her stronger work was on television and in other other venues. And Guinan is a role that was way more complex and nuanced than it needed to be. Right, right. And I think that was a testament to the writers, a testament to the respect that they had for Whoopi Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a, a testament to Whoopi Goldberg's talent. And I just... I, lo- I like I love that moment. It seemed like such a genuine moment. Yeah, it, that that uh, yeah, it was. It was it was actually heartwarming. And don't um, all you Spock adjacent fans, 
Vince and I will be returning we to We are. We are. We're we're there. We're we, right there. We're there. We're we're, we're going to be returning to Spock adjacent. We know Picard is going up. We know Discovery is going to be following on the teals. We're figuring out some logistical wrinkles. Yeah. Actually things have like changed up here in right, uh, right. Missionville. So we've got to so change. Hopefully y'all don't notice. But yeah. we're we're you know, but we're on it. Uh Michael Jewett. Hey, Michael. I had a question. Okay. Regarding grits. Yes. I'm wondering where the membership of the Michaud Mission stands on grits as a savory or sweet dish. Okay, now I have to hold my breath. And also, the cheeses of choice when making cheese grits. Okay. I'd like, I mean, because your people. Well. Your people are from Philly, and so I don't. How do you like your grits, Lynn? How do I like my grits? How do you like your grits? I like my grits. I prefer my grits oh, with... God. Here we go. A little bit of salt and pepper. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, I can put... I, I'll put some butter on there. Hey, man. As long as you're not one of these sugar people. I know. I don't like, I don't like sugar in my grits. Yeah, no. sh- grits, sugar people can't be, tr- like, actually can't be trusted. No, I don't like sugar in my grits. Now, don't look me wrong. I thought maybe you were fed. If you'd have said you, don't get me wrong. If if somehow I have grits on a plate that has pancake or or waffle syrup. Oh right, we were telling us because why are you eating grits and pancakes yeah, at the same I, time? I don't often, and actually I haven't in quite a long time. But like, what are you a sharecropper? What are you doing? I got to go and tend to these fields. So sometimes I need you have my a, energy. Sometimes you have a hankering for grits and pancakes. Yeah, even though I've graduated from pancakes to uh, to waffles. Yes. I, like, I mostly eat butter and waffles. All right. Uh, my cheese of choice for, when making cheese grits, because I won't pass up a cheese grit. Of course. If, if, if I can help it. Uh, it's usually cheddar. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Usually I, I'll throw, like, maybe some, like, I don't get, like, crazy. Like, yo, you know, let me get, like, yeah, you know, like, like I don't put, like, you know, uh, Swiss Right in my grits, but it's usually cheddar or uh, throw some American in there. Or I, I, I'm the same. I, I of course eat my grits the proper way, which is salt, pepper, and butter. Mm-hmm. And if I am having cheese grits, I, I do like a cheddar. When you eat your grits, but if you can't make grits without cheese, you can't make grits. Oh, well, I can't make grits. Okay, I'm that's, not a good. I'm, fair. I'm not a good grit. Maker. That is fair. A lot of people can't. Yeah, I, I've learned. I'm, I'm not a bad cook, but I just right. A lot of people. I, I mean, that's. Grits. I mean, I think you grits actually go in there with like sweet potato pie and potato salad, like every or 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 even um macaroni, macaroni and, cheese. and cheese. Like yeah. everyone can't make it. No, and it's actually a strength if you realize you can't. Exactly. Just step away. Like just step away. Let somebody else handle that. That's right. Yeah. But when you do eat grits, generally, yes. what else is on your breakfast? Usually, some type of scrambled eggs, mm-hmm. and you know, a meat turkey sausage or turkey bacon. Or- oh, okay. I I usually have like a scrambled eggs, and usually, to be fair, honestly. I usually put the cheese in my eggs before I'll put it in my grits. And then you like, mix the eggs with yeah, the grits. Yeah, the eggs with the grits. Uh, and then I'll have, like, some fish. Fish and grits. You can't beat fish and grits. Yeah, boy. Can't beat fish and grits. I'll tell you what I used to like, but I had, you know, I just, like, like, you ever had grits and gravy? 
Yeah, my grandma leaves. We, I was about to say that's old school grits and gravy, but it had to be chicken gravy. I was about because it's like chicken kidneys or yep. chicken livers in there. Mm-hmm. But as as you get older, you realize he probably shouldn't be eating yeah. organs. <laughs> <laughs> like you remember, like you ate, did you eat a fair amount of of liver? No, when you were a kid. Oh, I can't stand liver. But it was around though. Like it, it was, was around. Yes, right. yes. My mother would cook in, and I would. Just... I felt like we ate a lot of organs. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be eating organs. No, I can't stand. And liver, my liver is like like liver, liver and onions. Liver and onions, or or liver with like wrapped in bacon or something like that. Oh, I never had that. Yeah, it's it's the biggest fake out in the world. Right. Because you smell it, it smells delicious. Yeah. But when you bite into it, you're like, oh, 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 no, no. Liver is tough. I know only two people who could make liver that I could eat it. And fortunately, one of them was my mother. Oh, yeah? Yeah, my mother made good liver and onions. But again, he gets to the point, he's like, maybe we shouldn't be eating organs. I don't know if this is good. Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. But yes, but yes, we eat grits properly here in Michelle Mission Central, and that is savory. Um, see if this link will pull up for me. This link doesn't want. Oh, there it is. There is Vince. Somebody shared it with us in the Facebook group. They're going to be shining the spotlight on films overlooked black women. Yeah, I saw that inside a film forum series that is making an effort to rewrite a whitewashed cinematic history. Um. There's a black woman series which will be playing at New York City's Film Forum featuring an expansive roster of 60 films, including the black queer classic The Watermelon Woman. Which is which is shortlisted with me, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I've heard of the movie. I, I've, yeah, I, I have not seen the film. I, I don't know if I've seen it either, but it seems like something we should have seen by now. Um, this... This uh, film series, which began this past Friday and it's going to run through February 13th in New York, so hopefully you'll get a chance to check it out, missionaries. Uh, as I said, featured an expansive roster of 60 films, including films with iconic performances from the likes of Dorothy Dandridge, Josephine Baker, Diana Sands, mm. Lena Horne, Pam Greer. Uh, it'll, it'll be They'll be showcasing um, Eartha Kitt, in the very unappreciated Anna LaCosta. A, a, a favorite of ours. A favorite of ours. Also talking about Elfa Waters from Vincent Minnelli's Cabin in the Sky. Which we should probably watch sooner than later, too. This film, uh, the s- festival is programmed by black film historian Donald Bogle. And ah, aims to bridge the gap between heroes. classic and contemporary images of black women in cinema, revealing the legacy that connects them. Uh, Bogle, who is an instructor at New York University's Tisch School of Art, says, in these classic films, we see early black actresses playing against their limited roles, inserting cultural and sexual statements into their performances that white filmmakers didn't understand. The script is telling us one thing, but these actresses are telling us something else. Excellent. That Excellent. sounds pretty dope. Yes, man. it does. That sounds pretty dope. So I, I, I'm going to try and get out up there. Yeah, it would be nice to get up there for a second. And check this out. They're also going to be... Oh, and this is kind of cool. This The series will also celebrate the work of black female filmmakers. Of course. Including 
And all of these have been a part of the mission so far. Julie Dash's Daughters of the Dust. Fantastic. Leslie Harris's 1992 coming-of-age dramedy, Just Another Girl on the IRT. Also fantastic. Um, Cassie Lemons' Southern Gothic melodrama, Eve's Bayou. Yes, sir. And Kathleen Collins' philosophical drama, Losing Ground. We've not, well, that's we've the only not one watched we haven't gotten Losing to. Ground, yeah. That's the only one we haven't gotten to. So, uh, yeah, so that, that, that sounds pretty cool. I, ho- I hope to be able to get out Excellent. there and check that film Excellent. series. That's really cool. And, um, and Donald Bogle, speaking about a shortlist, he is on a shortlist of people that we are trying to get onto the show. Missionaries, if anyone knows yeah, we have, Professor Bogle, please put him in touch with us. We keep trying. We have, we have sent out, you know, um, inquiries and to no success. So any help you can lend us. Absolutely. Be greatly appreciated. All right. There's a couple other news items I wanted to mention. Oh, uh, Cecily Tyson has made a an announcement that at the age of 95, she says she'll never retire. I mean, why should she? Yeah. Why? She's still working. She's a vibrant actress. Tyler Perry keeps her employed. And I've loved her the two or three times that she's been on How to Get Away with Murder. Here's a question. Craig Wooten. Hey, Craig. Posted this. The film Just Mercy, which stars Michael B. Jordan yes. and Jamie Foxx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has an 84% uh, score on Rotten Tomatoes, meaning basically four out of five critics liked it, and an A-plus cinema score. Right. Warner Brothers, the production house behind the film, did a decent ad buy for it, and Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan have been promoting it incessantly, and they have. They've been all over They the have. Place. They have. So the question is, why is the film failing at the box office? At this point, it looks like it's going to lose the studio money at 15, well, just short of $16 million after two weeks. It may have trouble reaching $22 million after its full run. I think $22 million was like the budget. For contrast, the last Medea movie yes. made $27 million on its opening week. Right. So that's an interesting question. Like, uh, what do you think? Well, um, I don't know. Michael Jewett uh, says, you think a drama starring Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, and Brie Larson would have a bigger punch. I'm wondering if timing is the issue. It was This was brought out during award season, maybe too serious a competition. And that's not, that's not a fair um a fair assessment because this is the time that the more serious movies come out. Sure. You know, for Oscar consideration. Sure. Uh, let's see. Um, Chad Serta said at $24 to take my daughter with me, I would rather wait for the streaming option. To me, the theater is for an event movie and not drama. Okay. And I've always felt that way. Okay. And, uh, there's not a, there's a, more than a few people have that, uh, Inclination. El Blanco McFly posits that black injustice movies with stars always review well because of white guilt, but box office sales are poor because whites don't want to be reminded about how shitty things are for us. 
unless the movie is about civil rights, Jim Crow, or slavery. Those movies make them feel like, oh, we've come so far. At least I'm not that racist. That's a Plus, I think they secretly like seeing us physically treated like ish. Black people will see it in time, but are tired of feeling like ish at the movies, in my opinion. That's a good point. That's a good point. The yeah. critics are going to love it. But the white people are going. To, white people are not going to go see, to the movies because it, it, because of white guilt. They don't want to have that thrown into their face. Um, there was a whole bunch of people feel like they were bamboozled by Get Out because that kind of like threw it in their face. Right. Um, right. There is a part of me looking at that film that looks like, oh, I can catch that streaming, mm-hmm. and. Speaking about Tyler Perry, looking at the trailer, there's a scene of Jamie Foxx in a wig that made me say, uh, I think I can wait on this movie. Yeah. I, 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 and I, that's unfair. Look, it, it not only isn't unfair, I don't even think that's necessarily a legitimate critique. It's not. You know, because stuff always happens. You make time for what you want to make time for. And look, nobody wants to see this. Like nobody wants to see this. Like I, I, I think that's what you think is nobody wants. to I see I think it. that I, I think, I think we, I, I think we can always talk about the white audience is not going to support this type of film. Mm-hmm. But I think the implicit question within the context of the conversation among the missionaries is where's the black audience? Where's the black audience? And and right. we talked about right. the contrast with. The Medea, the the Medea, um, a fall from grace. Fall, no, no, the Medea film, oh, the, the box office that he mentioned, and I do think that there is a bit of fatigue. I think there's a bit of fatigue with the black audience for these types of films. Mm. I th- I think we we touched upon this a little bit. When we talked about Queen and Slim, yeah, but I think, about that. but but I think a better equivalent is the conversation that occurred around when they see us, okay, where there was a vocal contingent of black people that said this is good work, this is important work, but I just can't, I can't sign up for this, like I just can't do this and mm-hmm. th- and and when they see us is on Netflix like you don't even have to leave your house mm-hmm. so i leave my house i put on pants and a coat i go to the movies as as the the, the one guy mentioned you, you pay this money now now i've paid my money now i got the popcorn now i sit here like everything that you have to go through mm-hmm. to go to the movies i think it's difficult for a large and frankly ever-growing contingent of the black audience Mm -hmm. to go and see something that regardless of how it ends, and you know, this film ends with this brother getting out of prison, is just two hours of black misery. And I I think that's where we are. I, I just think that's where we are. And we can talk about whether it's right, whether it's wrong, whether you have a responsibility to go see it mm-hmm. and keep this sort of stuff alive and support these filmmakers. But I, I, I think it's it's the reality. That is the reality. And also, I think one of the things you kind of touched on is that 
when they see us was just, you know, not this year, but just last year. Right. It was this very, you know, um, come together of the of the community. Just everybody was just talking about that. That right. whole it became that miniseries became an event, an event. Yeah. In and to itself. Um, and it was and it was so well done and so so moving and, and stirred so many emotions in you that to be asked to remove that 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 scab not long afterwards right um for a film that again to your point that you got to leave now I've got to leave the house right to to reopen that wound right um that is asking a little a little bit much it's it's um and considering that both that miniseries and this film sandwiches queen and slim right. which spoke to similar right uh, uh things as well that is a a a, a bit of a pill for people to swallow and the irony if you fast, if if you rewind a half hour ago when we were cackling, or at least I was cackling about Fall from Grace, from which you told me, the irony is that the quality of the product actually makes it more impactful. Mm-hmm. Like you said, part I'm not even gonna say part because in my mind, ninety percent of what made when they see us. So soul draining was that Ava DuVernay did such a magnificent job dramatizing it. Yes, exactly. So that in Queen and Slim, the same thing. Like they, they, these filmmakers do such a great job presenting this pain and presenting this injustice. And as as an active participant in the audience, you leave it changed. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you you do you just want to see some dumbass wigs, yeah, and people jumping off a roof and Tyler Perry over on the side making helicopter noises. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's it. I think that's a lot of it. And then as the audience, we're ashamed to say it. That's the other part. That is the other like thing. we don't like like we don't like to say it that I don't want to. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm saying it. I yeah. looked at the trailer and I was like. That doesn't look like it. Honestly, the, honestly, when I looked at the trailer, as much as I wanted to be engrossed in it, it did not look like a feature film to me. Oh, and then there, well, then there's that part of it too. You know, so. so it didn't look like a feature film. Like if you if you had told me that was on Netflix, I I would have one believed it. Right. And two, it probably would have gotten watched. Right. You know. Right. So um, there you go. You know. So. So that that's our take. That's our take. All right. All right. All right. Um, thank you for all of you. Yes. Now we'll talk about something that that isn't soul draining. No, it's, it's, it's quite the opposite. Though I have to say a small black tear went down my eye when Jim Brown was fighting two cars. <laughs> you ready? You ready? You ready? I hope y'all ready. You ready? It's time for our review <laughs> of Three the Hard Way. Three the Hard Way. Three the Hard Way. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it.
Jim Brown. Fred Williamson. Jim Kelly. They do it. Their way. Three the hard way. Three cities and three of us. Three the hard way. You see, we have a scientific institution here. They're gonna kill us all. You gotta stop. Action explodes all over the place when the big three join forces to save their race. Brown. Williamson. Kelly. Rated R. Three the Hard Way. A story revolving around a white supremacist plot to taint the United States water supply with a toxin that is harmless to whites, but lethal to blacks. The only obstacles that stand in the way of this dastardly plan are Jim Brown, Fred Williamson, and Jim Kelly. Playing Jimmy Late, Jagger Daniels, and Mr. Keys, who shoot, kick, and karate chop their way to final victory. Besides the, the trio, we also have Sheila Fraser, Fraser as Wendy Kane, Jay Robinson as Monroe Feather, and some other people. <laughs> and the rest. And the rest. Through the Hard Way, directed by Gordon Parks Jr., 1974, was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn. Hmm? What say you of Through the Hard Way? Well, first, lest anybody get it confused, this was directed by Gordon Parks Jr. What did I say? No, no, you did say that. Okay, all right, yeah. I don't want anybody to hear Gordon Parks and say, oh, well, it's got to be good. It's Gordon Parks. I mean... Uh, and I don't know how much of a defense this will be for you. I mean, he did. He also directed Superfly, so it's not like this is just some dude mm. that got the job because of his daddy. Mm. Okay, I hear you, but um, I didn't think much of Superfly. <laughs> well, that's why I said it. As I was saying, I was like, "Oh yeah," but Lynn didn't really like Superfly either. I didn't think much of Superfly, right. and I didn't think much of Three the Hard Way. <laughs> I'm just gonna get it out Three of the way. The hard way. Three the I keep waiting for you to go for the rest of the song. <laughs> they came in, they, they killed Monroe, and they kidnapped Wendy, Wendy. But they didn't know that Jimmy was still around. Now there's two other brothers. They're going to foil the plot to poison the black people in Chicago, Washington, and New York. <laughs> They'll take care of it all because it's three the hard way. Three the hard way. It's one of my favorite theme songs because it tells the entire plot of the movie. Yes, and, it does. And it's it's like a, a small group of songs that do that. Because mm-hmm. like Bobby Brown's song for Ghostbusters 2. Yes. He also tells the whole, the whole plot. Movie, yes. You know who else not only tells the whole plot, but gives away the twist? Which? Old Dirty Bastards lyric in um, Ghetto Superstar gives away the plot to Bullworth. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> All right, yeah. I forgot that song was in that song. In yes. That movie. Um, but Three the Hard Way. Thankfully, <laughs> the theme song to Three the Hard Way plays about three or four times in the movie. That's right. So if you ever feel like, you know, I've lost, a, I've lost a, the, the, the thread. I've lost a thread of a plot point. Of, of where we are. Why? <laughs> let us tell you. You're watching Three the Hard Way. <laughs> Three the Hard Way. Oh, so, yes. Out of the... the <laughs> Let me get it out of the way. This movie was rough, okay? <laughs> the shame of it is, though, if you turn on this movie and you only watch the first three to four minutes of this movie, you think you're, you, you know what? I might be on to something. Mm-hmm. It's moody. It's... um stylized it's mm-hmm. it's 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 well directed it's this um this guy you find out that he's he's being locked up and it looks like it's against his wishes um and he's locked in like this camp um it's got like you know it's playing with shadows mm-hmm. and the, the music drops out so you're just you're just hearing him trying to to get away and everything and I'm like I literally, I, I lie to you not, when it came on, and it's none of the stars in the movie. Right, right. So, when it came on, it was like all moody and stuff. I'm like, is this three to Right. I think I hit the wrong, I think I clicked the wrong movie. Right. But I'm here. Whatever it's a I'm bold watching. choice. Whatever I'm, exactly, for yeah. it not to yeah, be one of your stars. Yeah. You know, and, and this literally goes on for like about a good five it minutes. It sure does, because there are no credits. There's no like, credits, there, there are or, credits or nothing. Or yeah, yeah. Nothing. So I'm like, okay. And and um, and um, and then getting away, this guy takes a, a shot to the gut, um, and but somehow manages to, to squirrel away. And find these this this young couple that's doing things in the woods, yes. Um, and gets them to drive him to safety, right? Which cut to the credits, and it's it's it because that all happened at night, and it's daylight, and we're we're three the hard wing down the road. Um, Although the first song that they play is oh, not, it's not three, three the hard, hard it's way. not hard, three the hard way. That's right because actually it's not, windy. It's windy. It's windy because it's Jim Brown. Yes. Now you're introduced to Jim Brown. <laughs> yes. In romantic lead role <laughs> mode <laughs> with Sheila Frazier. What What are they doing, Lynn? What are they doing? <laughs> Why? They're just walking. <laughs> They're in the midst of a stroll. They're in the midst of a stroll. <laughs> Through the park. Tenderly <laughs> a, as we listen to Wendy. 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 <laughs> Jim's so happy. He, he, he is he is happy. He, he, he is smiling. He's 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 got his, his collar literally wings on his neck because he is falling in love. That's right with Wendy. Wendy getting into his Rolls Royce, his convertible Rolls Royce, just cruising, 
They are so in love. They are in They're love. They're stopping for kisses. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Jim. That's right. I'm like, is this three to one? <laughs> is this still three to one? <laughs> I'm not. Maybe it's a different movie. I'm like, well, the credit did say three the hard way. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, okay, okay. At which point, then Jim, they pull into a, a parking lot. They get out the car. And all of a sudden, the white kids from the park come running up, and they know him. Uh. Jimmy. Jimmy. Jim's name is Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Jimmy. We've got your friend. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you every two minutes because I have several questions. <laughs> How do they know him? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, I, I'm assuming the, the, the dude told them where to go. The, 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 his friend, who we learned was the guy that was gunshot. Yes. I'm assuming he told them where to find him. Okay, okay, okay. okay. At this parking lot. We don't know where this parking lot is. But they knew, his friend knew that that's probably where he'd be. Uh, Yes. Okay, all right, continue. We've got your friend. He needs help. (laughs) Oh, I guess we got to go check this out. That's right. Come here, baby. As he puts his arm around Wendy. Wendy. (laughs) Wendy. And they stroll over to the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At which point he looks in and his friend, who I believe is Monroe or yes. something, sitting in the back, holding his, pressing his hand on his gunshot wound with the gun that he stole to make his, uh, his escape and looks up and says, hey, Jimmy. <laughs> Monroe, you look hurt. <laughs> Monroe looks at his hand covered in blood. Yeah. <laughs> I need some help. <laughs> All right, man. Let's let's go take we gotta take you to the hospital. At which point Jimmy and Wendy <laughs> Wendy she gets her own song. Get into the couple's car. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And drive off. Yes. With Monroe. Yes. They stole this young couple. Commandeered car. it. They commandeered it to take him to the hospital. In the couple's defense, I think it's worth noting that Jim Brown is seven feet tall. True. So. True. Seven feet four inches because yes. he had on platform Because he had on platform shoes. So he needs your car. Let him take the car. Now. Cut to the hospital where Monroe now with IVs in him, <laughs> tubes thrusted up, taped up his nose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would uh, willing, you know, you'd assume now he's got some medicine, some drugs going. In yes. Him. Yes. But now it's seemingly at death's door. <laughs> And has gone from, hey, Jimmy, (laughs) to, (laughs) Jimmy, you got to stop him. You got (laughs) to kill us all, man. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, why at the hospital is he at, at death's hospital? door? Why is he at death's door at the hospital? Why does he? Well, go ahead, because I got—I actually have a <laughs> fair amount of questions. This, this, this is spiritually a Tyler Perry film. Go ahead. I, I have several questions oh. about things that occurred in this movie. Go ahead. The, the questions abound yes. in this film, man. I mean, I'm not going to go beat for beat. Because we don't have that kind we of time. Don't have, we do not have the time, ladies and gentlemen. This would be, this would be a fun movie to like just sit and us like MS3K yeah. just be there just yeah. riffing on. Oh, yeah. Oh my God! This movie was so it, it was. Oh, oh! I mean, it makes no sense. There's no sense in this movie, but it's a black exploitation film. So you're like, okay, or like whatever. You want to take off your hat and and just go with it. It's 1974. It's getting the big three together at the time. Jim Brown, who. Looks like he clearly could not be bothered to be in this movie. Yeah. Unless he's kissing Sheila Frazier, he doesn't look like he gives one lick about this movie. The check cleared. Okay, let's just get through let's this. Just ex- go, let's just get through, through this exercise. Yeah. Jim Kelly shows up later in the film. Yes. Jim Kelly, who may be the slowest kung fu star you will ever see. The lame. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jim Brown. Uh, Jim Kelly is lame. It's he it's, is. It's really weird. It's it is so bad. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't do anything good. His karate is sloppy. It's poor. And then he makes these sounds when he throws punches and. Oy! Which they put in slow motion. <laughs> they slow it down so you, they so, don't want you to miss a detail. Yes, they don't want you to miss a... Oy! Right, right. This tall, gangly. <laughs> I need Jim Kelly to extend his leg all the way. Like, that's actually all I want. I've decided all I want from Jim Kelly is for him to kick someone and his entire leg extends. Yeah, because he's bicycle kicks. Because he's like 6'7". Why are you kicking people? He's too big to be kicking people. True. But if you're going to kick him, extend. Like, you need to start fighting a block away. You too close up on people with your big ass. Well, maybe, maybe you could extend your legs if you would stop wearing leather <laughs> to all of your fights. I mean, in his defense, it was 1974. Yeah, but in your defense, you're the karate guy. You the karate. You actually the karate man in the movie. Exactly. Your job is karate. It's karate. You're supposed to be the. That's supposed. To, your job is to be hacha, hacha, hacha. So maybe you should wear some looser. Loose clothes and, so that you could maybe get your leg up. So you could actually get your leg and, and extend it and be the karate man. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But We're, you're losing you're losing the threats. You're losing. I'm losing the threats. Oh, yes. oh, right, oh. So. It's, time for, it's time for the theme song. Three the hard way. Right. <laughs> Bring me back in. Bring it back in. So Jim Kelly is a mess. But Fred Williamson. Mm-hmm. You my brother right now. I was wondering, I was wondering how go ahead. Fred Williamson? Oh, Fred Williamson. 
I'm I, he's in his wheelhouse. Boy, he is having a ball. I thought we were going to have a debate about Fred Williams. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Fred Williamson is like, I don't know what y'all talking about. <laughs> I know what I signed on for. <laughs> shoot. <laughs> what? You can't smoke a cigar and shoot a gun? Watch me. <laughs> what? Your shirt has uh only one button? <laughs> Watch me. Shoot. You can't ride a boat? Watch me. Jim Fred Williamson is having a ball. Fred and I William- am having a ball watching Fred Williamson. Fred Williamson almost single-handedly pulls this train wreck he out. He almost saves it. He's he's because Jim Brown is the bigger star at this point. Mm-hmm. Jim Brown is that's the one you're following. Right. He's exactly. the story. He's the, he's the thrust. Yeah. So Fred Williamson is definitely the sidebar here. But yo, Fred Williamson is like if you watch him in Black Caesar in period period no don't get me wrong he's no better an actor now but on this movie because he's not asked to carry the load exactly. it's just all charisma it's just all the id of Fred Williamson and the chest he's so much more comfortable he's comfortable in this film and he wears it well he is a hoot he's a hoot he 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 gets the comedy over. Man. He gets the lines over. Because Vince. <laughs> we had to start taping because we just start talking in between where the, the trailer goes. And we said, okay, we just got to start taping now. <laughs> what, Lynn? Because. <laughs> Fred Williamson has the best line <laughs> in this movie. And I would only do it Disjust in disservice. Vince, take it away. You have to understand it's a black exploitation film. So the bare, barely sub subtext is that the guns are phallic. Yes. So of course, all of them, well, not all, Fred Williamson and Jim Brown have big guns. Huge. Huge guns. guns. Huge guns. But Jim Brown's gun actually gets to the point where it is comical. So there's a point, and I know we've lost track of of the plot. Folks, I told you the plot is some evil white men. They're going to poison everybody and kill all the black people. And then these three got to solve it, got got to save everybody. They get to the enemy camp, and they're in the midst of this shootout. Jim Brown is shooting people with this ridiculous gun that is louder than any of the other guns that are going off. At one point... He shoots some people coming down the steps from a building. The shots make the people that they hit and the stairwell and building behind him blow up. Explode. Actually explode. And as I said, watching the screen, damn, what kind of bullets are those? (laughs) Fred Williamson (laughs) in the movie. In the movie says, damn, man, what kind of gun is that? And I refuse to believe that that was in the script. Oh, me too. I think that was actually Fred Williamson. Fred Williamson riffing. He is the best part of the film by far. Oh, yeah. Like, by far, Fred Williamson is the best part of the film. I actually thought it should have just been Jim Brown and Fred Williamson. Yeah, you like, don't I need, wanted you a do buddy not, film. You do not with, need Jim Kelly. Yeah, I just... I just don't understand Jim Kelly. 
No. Like, I think the momentum from Enter the Dragon, Mm -hmm. which was just the year before, just kind of carried him. Yeah. And it had to be a karate man. I think also you needed a black karate man. Well, you did because at this time, the karate. Right, at this time. You know, the 70s karate is a thing. So, yes. So, you needed a black karate man. And and Jim Kelly, good looking guy. I mean, we we talked about it when we talked about Black Belt Jones. Mm -hmm. Good looking guy. He looks the role. There's actually a, I don't know if you'd call it a montage, but but it's like a, a a moment where Jim Kelly gets to the city that he has to save. Yes, and they're playing through the hard way, mm-hmm. and they show him coming through the the airport. Yes, and they're like these orange lights, and it's it's a pretty nice little sequence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, I understand why you would think Jim Kelly would add to this. Yes. But but then he gets into a fight or he starts talking because I don't even think he's that charismatic. Like, no, like, he's not. Like standing next to Jim Brown, who's phoning it in. Mm-hmm. And then there's just a really ill-conceived moment where it's he and Fred Williamson. Yeah. Which if I was Jim Kelly's agent, I would have shut that down because next to Fred Williamson, he disappears. You forget he's in the room. You forget he is in the room. It is a, it's, it's a shame. He, you're right. There's a scene, the intro to Jim Kelly. He comes out of his uh, hotel or whatever, or home or whatever, and he fights these cops in the middle of the street. Right. Slowest kung fu fight you will ever see. It's it's horrible. It's it's so badly done he's boring yeah in it but he, he but he fights these cops in the street at the literally at the end of the fight Jim Brown and Fred Williamson <laughs> Jimmy and Jagger Jagger yeah come around the corner because they were coming to get their boy right they both got on suits and long coats yes if I if they had come around that corner two minutes earlier and it saw him fighting in the street, you would have seen them turning around <laughs> and say, you know what, I think I think we, I think we can do this on our own because them just that look of them just, with the long just, coats, that's all I want. Yeah, that's all I want. And and in in Jim Kelly's bit of defense, I also think he pales in comparison to the two of them. Like one thing I do think that the film does well is that it utilizes Fred Williamson and Jim Brown just as athletes. Their physicality, yes. Their physicality. Mm-hmm. So that when they have scenes where they're running after yep. someone, yep. Yep. they look really good doing it because they're professional athletes. Mm-hmm. Like they know they actually know how to move and they show them jumping over turnstiles and things. And it works. Like you can tell these aren't actors. These are people that have that are physical specimens. Right. And with Jim Kelly, it doesn't work. Now, one of my questions about just the logistics of this film, how did how did how did these people know each other? Like why do they know each other? Like they never really say Oh no. They never really talk about why they know. And then at one point, the bad guy says that he's been keeping an eye on Fred Williamson. In Chicago. Mm-hmm. But, like, what does Fred Williamson do for a living? 
Like, what's his job? He's black. Okay, he's black. He's black. That's what I guess you could put that on your tax forms in 1974. Yeah. Yeah. He's black. Now, and Jim Brown is a record producer who looks like Jim Brown, but he also has a relationship with the local police department. Yeah. Because remember, the detective's like, we don't want any of your shenanigans. It's like, does, you just do your job. Does Jimmy, the record producer, oftentimes get into adventures? I feel like I need some more information. Well, those impressions, they do get into some scrapes. <laughs> they get into some scrapes <laughs> where Jim Brown leaves a street filled with blood sometimes. <laughs> I got to go cut this demo. Then they go and get Jim Kelly and were y'all in the army? Like, I just needed somebody to say we were in the army together. Well, no, that's not going to happen. It's like when we were in Saigon. <laughs> like, that's all I needed. No, you don't know how they know each other. Except they're black. They're black. They're just black. You, it's just Vince, three, the three. Vince, you're black. I am. Don't you know? Don't oh, you know me? Do, I, I do know you. See? There you go. Because we're black. So, that's how it works. So somebody kidnapped and then I came and got you. and Right. Somebody got Wendy. And then it's just the black. The black puts us together. And then we go to another city where our third friend, who's being set up by the police, because, again, you get the sense that these neo-Nazis were watching each of them. They were watching all of them. But I didn't know. They were watching the blacks. Just in general. So, like, all the blacks had some type of situation. Something funny about the way you said all the blacks. (laughs) All the blacks during this afternoon had some type of situation (laughs) where they were setting them all up. Because the neo-Nazi man said, we found it. He said, we found our wandering buck. (laughs) And then they went to Chicago. We found our buck wandering in Chicago. Because remember, my man came in and did the ear whisper. He said, he said, oh, we found our buck in Chicago. And I was like, why are they watching Fred Williamson? No, 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 no. What what they were saying that they weren't watching Fred Williamson. Oh, they, they were, were watching, watching Jimmy, Jimmy, who had, had gone, gone to, to Chicago. Chicago. Oh, okay, all right. That now see that makes sense. Well, okay. that makes sense from their point of that view. That okay, right? And then he went to get Fred Williamson, right? Who, as you mentioned, his introduction is that he dropped a lady off. Like he walked out. Oh, this, yes. he, he walked out the high rise with right. his lady, and he kissed her and tucked her in the car, and then he walked over to the harbor and got into the boat. With, with another, another lady. lady. I said, all right, Fred Williamson. Mm. And that's when I knew Fred Williamson was having more fun than anyone else in the this film. This movie. <laughs> that's right. Because right. then they spent five minutes of Fred Williamson in a speedboat. That's right. And you know how you know it was Fred Williamson? Because they had the close-up of him actually dropping the speedboat. That's right. And it probably was his boat. It was. It was probably Fred Williamson's boat. That's right. Can we get my boat in there? The tax right off. Those may have been his ladies. <laughs> oh, I don't think that's a may. <laughs> <laughs> if they weren't there, his ladies when they were casted, <laughs> they were ladies. These laid by the end of the scene. Yes, very much so. Um, oh my god! This, this I liked this it. I, I wanted to like it. I still it. liked it. I, you know why you liked it? Why? Because this movie gave you proof of why Jim Brown was the baddest man in the 1970s. Okay. Because 
only Jim Brown can fight two cars. <laughs> Jim Brown gets into a fight with two cars. And win. And wins. Because he's another. And he doesn't just win. The cars <laughs> drive off the parking lot. The roof of a garage. And as in any good black exploitation film, the second they hit the air off of the <laughs> off of the parking lot, they explode. They explode. <laughs> they explode. If you weren't alive in the 70s, things just exploded all the time. Yes. Yes, it did not pay to be a white extra in black exploitation films. <laughs> That's right. Cuz you were getting maimed, stabbed or exploded or or exploded in this movie. Yeah. You weren't getting shot. Well, not by Jim Brown, because Jim Brown has no sense of aim. <laughs> Jim Brown is literally just, well, it's it's funny you they are phallic symbols. Because he literally <laughs> is just spraying all over the place. He's just spraying all over the just place. Just marking territory. Right. It's like the first the first take, he was like going, going uh, 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 uh. And they said, okay. All right. That's a bit much. But yeah, he is spraying indiscriminately. Indiscriminately yeah. in this film. Yeah, I wanted to like this film, Vince. I really did. That's fair. But I just can't. That's fair. This this was, It's a big dumb movie. It's a dumb movie. It's a movie. big dumb movie. And Fred movie. Williamson, like you said, he almost saves it. Right. But there's a little bit too much of Jim Brown too, phoning it in. Yeah. And there's way too much And too much bad. Jim Kelly. And again, they don't do Jim Jim Kelly any favors. Because you see Fred Williamson and Jim Brown Taking out two hundred guys, two hundred, yeah, that's about right. With three guns, yes. With never needs to reload. No, there's no, there's no reloading in black exploitation. No, no. Films. Well, you know he had taken their ginseng, so that helped him. There you go. Yeah. Um, but Jim Kelly, they show, <laughs> he went and got one of his students to help him. Who apparently is a 42-year-old accountant. Yes. Mm-hmm. But he's Asian. He's Asian. So he, so that, you know, that helps with the kung fu. Which he does better than Jim I, I mean, of course Jim he Kelly. does. Of course he does. I mean, not, uh, we ain't talking about, he ain't Bruce Lee. Uh, like I said, because he's got like a pot belly and, oh, yeah. and he's like 42 years old and is 1974, 42 years old. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But... but that's not doing Jim Kelly any favors. It's not doing Jim Kelly many favors. At and all. then there's a scene because you see, you can see at the end, Jim Kelly wants to get his Bruce Lee on because now he doesn't have the shirt on. Right, and and he's fighting in a car. Did you notice he was fighting in a car wash again? Oh yes, of course. There's a callback to a last episode because remember he was fighting in a car wash in Black Belt Jones. Yes. Now in Black Belt Jones, what I do appreciate about this movie in Black Belt Jones. There was a lot of stunt doubling for Jim Kelly. Right. Jim Kelly does most of his stunts in this film. Okay. I think the reason is because they slowed it down for him. So, oh, you're going to do them in slow motion? I can do them if they're in slow motion. Right. Yeah, right, I can do right, these. Right, right. But now at the end, Sans shirt. Sans shirt. Black leather pants. Black leather pants. Because he can't, he can't have on a black gi. So no, right, he's going right. to have a, a black leather pants. He, you know, and Jim Kelly, he's the kung fu guy, so he doesn't use a gun. No. <laughs> Even though Fred Williamson... Use a gun, man. Would you please use a gun? Which is hilarious. Which they do show 
that he apparently shot the gun at the end. Yeah. To kind of save him, but yeah, they don't show him shoot the gun. Okay. You just hear. You just hear. It. You hear the gunshot, and then you see him running with a gun. Yeah. So anyway, so he's about to take on two guys. At which point, just like Bruce Lee, Jim Kelly has two sticks. Yes. In his hands. So I'm like, okay. Now Jim's going to show me some work. Yes. He's going to show me some Enter the Dragon work and just like, right, a little racist. Why is that racist? This is a little racist. How's that? That's not racist. It's like Kung Fu racist. No, it's from Enter the Dragon. It's from Enter the Dragon. In the movie, okay. J- Bruce Lee it. has two sticks. He does. And he goes to work. Right. That's not racist. Uh, a little. How is that racist? No, you, you have to really, explain that. You can't make the Kung Fu sounds. You can't make the Kung Fu sounds. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Well, well, Jim Brown is, I mean, Jim Kelly's making sounds. Well. That's what you do in Kung Fu. You okay. make sounds. It's just sounds. So that's they trans, teach you. It's transracial Kung Fu sounds. Yes. All right. So, I'm thinking I'm going to see some work now from Jim Kelly. Right, right. And? And Jim Kelly. Oi! And that, which which he sounds like a a a, a British soccer hooligan. <laughs> oi! But the oi is hitting the guys in the stomach. Yes, yes, he did with his arms. <laughs> it's not even with the sticks. It's not even with the sticks. And then he hits one guy with one stick, one guy with another stick, and then runs off. <laughs> this this is all true. I this movie is just it, it's just a mess. I look, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's not fun. That's the thing. It's not fun. It is it is it's got this high concept. Mhm. which is ridiculous in a film like this. Like neo-Nazis and genocide, yes, are the main plot points of a film that has a five-minute sequence with the intruders. The impressions. I'm sorry. The impressions. Sans Curtis Mayfield. Yes, in the studio. Well, Curtis knew better. And three female enforcers. Oh yes, who are color coordinated, who apparently use sex to interrogate interrogate people well they are dominatrix give them their their rifle title is that what they i mean they, they are they are dominatrix and countess empress and princess yes played by pamela serp irene so uh sue and marie o'henry because because they, they you know because it's a black one a white one and an asian one yes because you gotta have them in all the different Yes, and they're dominatrices, and they are used. They were called in by Fred Williamson. Hey, why does Fred Williamson have a gang of uh, ethnically ethnically diverse dominatrices? Who come riding in on motorcycles. And one of them is wearing red, one of them is wearing white, and one of them is wearing blue. Yes. Why does he? Well, is this also just a black guy thing? He's black. Okay, he's just black. He's just He's a black man in Chicago. He's a black man in Chicago. That's the point. You know, I actually recall an exposé on Fox News where they talked about Barack Obama had a gang of female dominatrixes that yes. he used 
I so. think I saw that expose. Yeah. Obama colon Black Caesar. Black Caesar, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, at, at which point these ladies come in and use their dominatrixing skills. Yes. To uh, pull evidence from some miscreant, some white miscreant that Jim Kelly and Fred uh, Jagger have caught. They pulled something. They pulled something. <laughs> when they cut back to him, he was in his um, underwear. The fetal position. In a fetal position. <laughs> I'll tell, tell you anything. I said, this is a strange just, just, <laughs> detour. Yeah. I, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 This movie is, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wanted it to be a dumb, fun movie. That's and, fair. And I just did not have any That's fun with fair. it. That's fair. That's fair. I know one of the missionaries mentioned Truck Turner. When we talked about the letters, you but, want you wanted it to be fun like Truck Turner, yes, and it was. It's not at all, it's and not it wasn't. Fun and, and let's be clear, all. I like you know I like this movie, but I'm I don't you know I, I just like these dumb movies, and this is a dumb movie. It's a dumb. It's a dumb movie. It's a dumb movie. I did not know, and now I haven't watched it. Now I know that this was the movie that inspired Undercover Brother. This is also the film. There's a lot. Of Black Dynamite, yeah, that pulls from this mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Like I always say, Black Dynamite is one part, um, one part the Dolomite films, one part this, mm. and then it's it's like um, I just lost my third one, but you see the DNA, yeah, you can see of, I certainly of, see. of, of, of Black Dynamite in here as well. It's funny you bring up Black Dynamite. Doing a little bit of business on air because I sense that we're done with this film. That uh, <laughs> it's it's been mentioned before that that is the one film that we reviewed where the both of us weren't on. Cause right, you, right, right. It was early in the mission, and you were actually moving at that time, and I did it with comedian Daryl Charles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good friend Daryl Charles, very good friend. friend. Mm-hmm. Um, who's always up for a return? Yeah, show. yeah, yeah. And I want to pose to you that I think we should re-review Black Dynamite. I would love to do Black Dynamite. So that you can sit in on that review. That, that'd be fantastic. And hear your point of view. And I will invite Daryl to do it because right, it was right. his film. Right, so we redo it. Yeah. So we redo that show. That'd be fantastic. And Daryl's great. Show. Yeah, and Daryl's yeah. mad fun. So, so. so Daryl, and I know he listens. Yeah, yeah. Expect that email coming yeah. very soon. All right. So... Now it has come. Would you recommend Three the Hard Way? Well, I think I can sum up whether or not I would (laughs) recommend Three the Hard Way in one word. Okay. And that word would be? Yes. Okay. Plot twist. Because? Because. I have a sense that because he is definitely in supporting role mode, that this may be the most fun Fred Williamson mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is out there. Right. I have a funny feeling that him in lead role, he strikes me as the type of guy that maybe takes himself a, a little bit 
too seriously. Right, right, right. And in lead role, it may not be as joyful a turn to to watch. Okay. This movie is thankfully only about an hour and a half. Okay. It's not long. And I think we have described it enough that while it I didn't find it fun, there is fun to be extracted from how serious they are trying to do things. Right. There's fun to be extracted at like what is Jim Kelly on? So I would say go watch the film for that. Okay. Okay. It's funny you said that that this is the most fun that Fred Williamson was or or, or you suspect this is a film that that um Fred Williamson had the most fun. And I was over here very quickly. I thought Fred Williamson was in Yes. Fred Williamson was in a movie called Adios Amigo in 1975 with Richard Pryor. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard of that film. That I have seen maybe once, and I seem to remember Fred Williamson having a bit of fun in that as well. But I don't remember a lot about it. So I think you could be right. I mean, even just thinking about that 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 partnership where it's Fred Williamson and Richard Pryor, obviously Richard Pryor is going to be the funny one. Mm-hmm. So I think you could be right because I think Fred Williamson, his joy in this movie is almost infectious. Yeah. I don't think it saves it as a film, no. ultimately. As a film, no. As a film, but it's enough that it pulls me in. I also think Three the Hard Way is one of those films you kind of have to watch. Like really? I think I think it's one I think it's on the list of like eh, you got to watch Three the Hard Way. It's like, you know, it's like Cleopatra Jones uh so you're thinking about like like if you're it, movies of this era. Of this era, like like if you like if you put together 10 movies, mm-hmm. Three the Hard Way I think is on there. Really? Five movies, no. But once you do ten movies, I think now you're starting to talk about Three the Hard Way. Frankly, I think you need to see Three the Hard Way more than you do any Fred Williamson or Jim Kelly movie. I think you have to see Black Caesar. Like I think Black Caesar would be on my ten films you have to watch from the black exploitation period. Mm-hmm. But three the hard way, it, it comes up. It always comes up. You know, it comes up. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's got the title and everything. It's got like the that, title, but... it's got the theme song. Like we joked about the theme song. You know, I think you got to watch Three the Hard Way. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you may be right. I don't know. As I'm, look, as I'm looking at like black exploitation films, you know, uh, like just off the top of my head, Cleopatra Jones, Blackula. Mm-hmm. Uh, Superfly. Shaft, Superfly. Shaft and Superfly. So there's five. That's five right there. And then you get the second five that it starts to get. Well, I, no, I, honestly, I think you could go Cotton Comes to Harlem. I, I think you got to see this before you see Cotton Comes to Harlem. But I'm saying, like, if, if saying 10 films. Right. What? No, I, Cotton Comes to Harlem is a better movie than I this. Think, no, no, I'm not talking about better movie. I'm talking about historical standing. 
Like when people talk about this period. Okay. Cotton uh, Comes to Harlem is quietly a little obscure. Okay. Um, our, which Pam Greer movie are we? You got to pull Pam Greer. So are we doing coffee? I would I would say coffee, although people might pick Sheba Baby. Okay. I, yeah, I think but I yeah, would say, you got to do a Pam Greer movie. I think I what, say coffee. Right, so the Pam Greer slot. Um, uh, Truck Turner? Not before this. Across 110th Street? Not before this. Across 110th Street? Across 110th Street isn't even a black exploitation. Uptown movie. Saturday Night. Okay. Uptown Saturday Night. All right. Um, Cooley High. I think you got to throw Cooley High in there. Yeah, I guess you do. I, I, I never I, I, put that in there, but you're right. Yeah. Um. And then what about what about the movie we just reviewed? Five on Black Hand Side. No. Yeah. Ain't nobody seen that but me and you. <laughs> that's a shame. Like that's that's actually black exploitation hipster fare. <laughs> well, what do you know about Five on the Black Hand Side though? Dolomite. Dolomite. Okay. Dolomite or the Human Tornado. I mean the, uh, the Human Tornado. Okay. Um, are we at ten? No, we're at like eight. Oh, okay. And I couldn't make a case. Okay, there's th- two movies I could make a case for before this. Okay. Ganja and Hess. Yeah. That's hipster fair. So that really... Yeah, that's hipster fair. Again, I'm not talking about movies that aren't better than this. Okay. Um, Sugar Hill. No, not at all. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody seen Sugar Hill? I like Sugar Hill. Yeah, no, I love Sugar Hill, but ain't nobody seen Sugar Hill? Like by the time somebody showed up at our apartment with the uh, with, with the VHS tape of Sugar Hill from Blockbuster, we had exhausted Blockbuster's black exploitation section. Yeah, I guess you might be right. Yeah, I mean, I got to nine though. Yeah, I got to a good nine. Yeah, you know, and and then you just poo pooed a couple. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So yeah, you gotta watch through the hard way. I'd still watch Black Dynamite first. I mean, you should definitely watch Black Dynamite first. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so there you go. Three to Hardway. So there you go. Three to Hardway, ladies and gentlemen. There's our review. There's our review. Before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week, I invite you all to send all your feedback, comments, and concerns. Email us at mishowmission at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter, or Instagram, all the social medias at Show Mission. Join the Show Mission Facebook group where we have a lot of fun sharing news and stories and commentary with one another. Um, also, you can listen to our show. We are a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network. Podglomerate, curated podcast just for your listening pl- pleasure. Uh, if I understand correctly, Vince, the Show Mission is going to be one of the featured podcast for Black History Month on Stitcher Radio. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that and thank you for that, Stitcher. Yeah, thank you. So look for um, banners with our names on it and then tell a friend about uh, the Me Show Mission. You can also listen to our show in a edited form and this this episode will be edited heavily. <laughs> um, every Saturday at 1pm on WPPM Philly Cam, People Powered Media 106.5 FM here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can wake up with the Michelle mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU, the voice of Drexel University. 
Before we get out of here, Vince and I want to, um, on air, share our condolences with dear friend of the show, Omar Dorsey. Yeah. Uh, at the yeah. passing of his uh, his brother, our our prayers go out to you, um, my brother. Um, we were actually trying to put together a return visit. But, um, hey, this is more important, and we wish you all the best. Absolutely. You're in our you prayers, and your family, man. man. For real. You're in our prayers. Um, and also, I want to take this moment to extend a very special, um, same heartfelt condolences to a friend, uh, Andre Bennett, a fellow podcaster out there who actually had a tragic loss in his, yeah. his family this, yeah. this week. So um, our prayers are with you, too, as well, Andre. All right. Next week. Next week. On the Michelle Mission, Vince, I believe it is your turn. Yes, and we will... Are we still in the 70s? No, we are, but we've also entered February. Oh, we have. That's right. So so we're going to begin our month of Westerns. Get them up. Run them out. Yeah. Moving in. And yes, we will stay in the 70s, and specifically, we will stay in the year of... You would think I would have had this up. But you'd be wrong. The year of 1972. In the year 1972. For Sidney Portier's directorial debut. Sidney Portier's debut. Directing himself as well as Harry Belafonte. Directing Harry <laughs> Belafonte too. In the Western Buck and the Preacher. Fucking the preacher doesn't <laughs> rhyme with two. No, no, it doesn't. So next week we're going to watch Buck and the Preacher. Okay. As we begin our month of westerns. Our month of westerns begins with Sidney Poitier, Harry Belafonte, Len's favorite actor in Buck and the Preacher. I cannot wait. That's coming your way next week on the Michaud Mission. Until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>